Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings. And now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the pink bonus series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. I'm Fiona Blair and with me today is Grace Ramage, my co-host. Hi Grace. Hello Fee and hello everybody listening in to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. Well, Fee, it has been a big week in racing. Obviously, we're looking ahead this weekend for a fully form-focused episode on the first day of the championships up in Randwick, four Group 1s on the program. Uh, We'll get into that shortly, but just wanted to say last week's episode, Fee, I think was one of our best ones because I learned so much from our chat with Catherine Brueggemann, bloodstock agent to decode the business of bloodstock, especially ahead of the Easter sale starting next week up in Sydney for Inglis. And I just would highly recommend if anybody missed last week's episode and you want to understand more about what happens at a yearling sale from the purchasing and the selecting of yearlings perspective, definitely go back and see what you think because I I guarantee you'll learn a heap from our chat with Catherine. Yeah, I loved it. And uh, I have to say, I spent a lot of the weekend browsing the Easter catalogue looking for the two things that Catherine says are essential for, uh, you know, a good racehorse. So um, I'm still training my eye. I'm sure she can pick it out very quickly, but I'm still going, is that it or is that it? But it's so nice just to be given a little bit of direction to go off and then to start doing the work ourselves. Exactly as you said, do the work and your understanding will follow. And that's exactly it. We can try and see how we go. The only problem is, Fee, is that with this Inglis Easter sale that starts up on Monday and only goes for two days, Monday and Tuesday, Uh, it's going to be a hard one to try and work out whether we pick the right horse or not because I'm pretty sure every horse in the catalogue is absolutely beautiful and has Mm -hmm. an amazing page because it is the best of the best that are in this sale when it comes to yearling. So might be a tricky sort of a a sale to work out whether we've got the right eye because I don't think you can go wrong. (laughs) Yeah, they're all good. They're all uh, nice types, good pages. So yeah, you're right. This is probably the trickier sale to get into the nitty gritty for people who are, you know, just kept getting their eye in but I'm really excited to watch the sale there'll be so many progeny of past superstars going through the ring and some really big prices and you know we encouraged everyone to tune into the live broadcast of the premiere sale but 
I think Easter's, you know, it's the pinnacle. It's the best of the best. And it, it'll be a fascinating two days of selling. Yeah, and you can catch that live broadcast on the English website on Monday and the Tuesday, obviously, when the sale starts. And Fee, you said that you're training your eye. Are you any chance of raising your hand or potentially... <laughs> Uh, taking a share in a, a multi-million dollar filly out of a I mean, group one winner? If I win Tats Lotto on Saturday, <laughs> I reckon I would. I reckon I might put my Same. hand up for a few, but uh, you yeah. know, chances of that happening are slim to none, especially because <laughs> I never buy tickets. But um, <laughs> I would love to. That's the dream, right? Buy into a blue blood yearling and hopefully have you know amazing success with it. But Maybe a little bit later in life, Grace. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, for now, I'm quite happy with, you know, the lovely type of filler we bought at the classic sales for our ladies who punt syndicate. And we've finally got that finalised. And for those who are a part of that, uh, the syndication paperwork is coming. Things have just been a little bit busy behind the scenes, but we are definitely getting there. And Grace, our chat with Catherine Brueggemann was actually the last of our yearly sales series. We did a three-part series, one with Gemma Cutting from Inglis, uh, one with my Self on yelling preparation and then finishing off with Catherine Brueggemann. But now it's time to move back to form because we have such amazing racing coming up. Like sometimes doing a form can be a little bit tedious. Not today. Mm-hmm. I was enthralled by every race that I looked at and I can't wait to dive in. But I have a little story for you, Grace, before we get into that. So I have a proud moment to share with you and the listeners. Go so, on. For the last year, myself and the listeners of Ladies Who Punt have been learning all about form from you, our resident LWP expert. And (laughs) last Saturday, I just had a moment where it all clicked. I was trackside at Flemington, which helped. And I I put on a bet that I was very confident about and it came off. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. And it was Cascadian in the Australian Cup. So... He had run a great race in the All-Star Mile the week before. He was stepping up in distance. He had the right barrier. And when I put my bet on, he was paying $3.40. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe my eyes. Like, in my opinion, I thought he would have been even money. So I thought, great value. This is an absolute no-brainer. Just wins. And I didn't even look at the rest of the field. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, that's too good. I've got to take it. And it paid off and it was so fun to cheer him home, especially at the price. You know, like sometimes backing favourites is a bit boring, but I thought that $3.40, that was pretty good. And it was just a moment where I could stand there and sort of reflect and go, wow, look how far I've come in this last year. Like I was an absolute form novice a year ago and now here I am feeling confident about my assessments, understanding the market and being able to be like, this horse is price to me just doesn't seem right like I'm getting value here so I'm proud of myself but I'm also very proud of our podcast Grace because we have put out so much applicable knowledge to our community and I'm sure I'm not the only one that's starting to notice the improvement in myself you know Mm -hmm. absolutely Faye we are so proud of you for having that moment of clarity it is it is a sense of I suppose clarity is a really good word because once it hits you you're like oh I get that now oh that actually that makes sense to me oh I get it and I think you can see where the when the stars have aligned. It's more obvious now. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And also, <laughs> how satisfying is it? Because, so satisfying. I mean, you did that, you know. You applied your knowledge. You worked it out. You solved the puzzle. And you get paid. 
How good. So good. And yeah, just a real milestone for me. So, and I'm sure well there's done, like, Fee. Claps for Fee. <laughs> Let's see if I can do it again this week with uh, the first day of the championships. I'm not, I'm not quite sure that there's such an obvious horse this well, week. Well, <laughs> and that's, and that's the thing, like you mentioned before that sometimes form can be a bit tedious and it, it's so true because there are some races that you do and you just go, well, I've got no idea. Like who would know? We don't have enough information about what the horses are going to do in this race because maybe they're too lightly raced and you just don't know or um, maybe they're all so even that it's a complete lottery and that's when you actually say to yourself well I've got no firm opinion here so I stay out I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure of who the winner is so I'm I've got no opinion just move on wait and see learn from it move on to the next one but there is a few examples even today when it seems like "Mm, no I have the answer here I've got high confidence that's when you feel safe and secure about betting into the race you know whether it's obviously with whatever you're comfortable in spending but that's when you can bet and I think Cascadian was a great bet especially at that price I was also pretty confident that he was the winner and he he was way too good for that field wasn't he like he had no luck and still just brained them over the last 200 meters anyway so um, sometimes it's like crystal clear and other times it's not it's a bit murkier yeah and when it's murky you just don't play and you just sit back and watch and even when it is crystal clear it doesn't always work out the way you see it yeah so you just go back and learn again but yeah hopefully this form preview we are about to dive into we can again have some of those crystal clear moments well let's get into that right now So, Grace, all of the racing action moves up to Randwick this weekend. It's the first weekend of the championships and four Group 1s on the card. We've got one for the two-year-olds over 1,400 metres, a wait-for-age Group 1 sprint over 1,200. We've got the Doncaster Mile, which is a handicap race, and then the big Australian Derby, 2,400-metre Group 1 set weights for the three-year-olds. So, a real good variety of racing this week too like just so much to take in and I think correct me if I'm wrong are we racing looking to be racing on a soft track this weekend Grace? Well it would not surprise anybody to have a soft track in Sydney at this time of year and to be honest I can't believe that we haven't had rain affected tracks until this point but I think we it's safe to say we'll be on a soft track I don't think we'll be on a heavy track so you know you still need horses that have got that soft track form and it's a bit different because a lot of horses haven't seen it in a while. So um, you might have to dig deep to find that soft track form uh, going into Saturday. The other thing to note is that this is basically the equivalent in Sydney of the Melbourne Cup Carnival at Flemington in Melbourne. So this is their number one racing week. This is big, big grand final week across the board. We've got eight group ones both this Saturday and next Saturday combined. And for anybody that's attending Randwick this Saturday, it is Derby Day, just like it is at the first day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. It's all black and white. So, I mean, you don't have to adhere to that dress code if you don't want to. But if you do want to, it's black and white day and um, traditional Derby Day sort of attire. So the Derby is definitely the feature race, I suppose, because that is the name race but boy oh boy there's great racing aside from that as well definitely and we're going to go in race book order today doing a preview of all four of the group ones so let's start off with race six which is the English size 1400 meters for the two-year-olds 
um, and it's a set weights race. So let's start off with the fun facts. I've done them again, and I should mention that uh, I actually get all of these fun facts of RaceNet. So if you are looking for fun facts on other races, that's just all I do is I just go on RaceNet and look it up. Are so. you telling me you don't research your own fun facts, Fee? <laughs> I mean, it's still research. I just get it all from one yeah. source. <laughs> I'm a lazy researcher. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, so here are the fun facts. So this is the only 1,400-metre group one for two-year-olds on the calendar. So this is their one shot at this distance for this class. Uh, this is the second leg of the Sydney Triple Crown, the first leg being the Golden Slipper over 1,200, and the third leg being the Champagne Stakes over 1,600 metres. So the most recent horse to have done that was Piero under Gay Waterhouse, and he now stands at studs, which is you know really exciting bloodlines to have in the breeding pool. So in the last 17 years of the race, just five favourites have won, which does include Animo uh, in 2021. So we can look for a bit of value today in the market, and just like the Golden Slipper, interstate horses have quite a poor record in this race. We really want to look for the Sydney lead-ups uh, in determining our selections. And the Golden Slipper is the main lead-up race. So 19 of the last 29 winners have come through that race. In terms of where the horses need to be in form, only two winners from 1990 have finished outside of fourth in their lead-up run. The best barrier is number eight with 10 wins. So a little bit to work with there when when we look at the market, Grace. Yeah, that's really interesting because you would think that, especially when you look at you know the times that are being run in the Golden Slipper, then looking ahead to the sires at over 1,400 metres for their next start, that all of those horses have put in big performances. Um, obviously, they've pulled up well, and therefore they should be hard to beat going into the size of their next start but the only thing is fee i just have some question marks about the golden slipper form in this particular race so i might be i'm i'm certainly going against the history and one of those fun facts that you've mentioned there and i'm actually not with the golden slipper form in the size this week oh that's interesting because i might not be either and i <gasps> might even be going against the interstate form fact too well but we'll I mean, get to that is this a, a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> yeah. who knows who knows i mean <laughs> this isn't cascadian clarity this one um, no but it's definitely why not <laughs> why don't you run us through the market where we are at the moment so we've got cylinder as our two dollar 20 favorite um he's coming out of the golden slipper his form his recent form reads second second first first second so he is always around the mark he's going exceptionally well and we know that he was the favorite for the golden slipper last start where he started three dollars forty so um obviously he's going to be respected here he finished second on that occasion then we take a look at a horse that's been really well backed since markets went up by the name of v8 this horse down from ballarat in victoria from the tony and calvin mcavoy stable he went up eight dollars he's now into five dollars fifty having won his first start and then last start at flemington winning the vrc sires which isn't a group one still a stakes race but it's over 1400 meters and he's just got a lot of upside this colt so I think that the market certainly thinks he can go to the next level. You've got Don Corleone, who's also right there at $6. And then another one that's coming off a couple of wins, not even in stakes company, a horse by the name of Brave Mead from the Kiramar and David Eustace stable. He's at $9.50. And again, he looks very untapped at this stage. So pretty open market outside of the favorite, but Cylinder um, definitely deserves favoritism. But it's whether or not he 
can just keep on going feet that's mm-hmm. that's my query with this horse because he's been up for a little while obviously he's the, the golden slipper was a grand final race like there's no doubt about that but I'm sure he wouldn't be here if he wasn't giving James Cummings all the signs that he's pulled up really well and he can go again. But you just never know if they can continue to repeat performances. You know, they're not machines. Sometimes yeah. you put in a big run and then your next starts a flat run. So I've just got my question marks about whether Cylinder puts in a flat run here. I think as well when you compare him to the winner of the golden slipper and Shinzo like Shinzo looked like the perfect candidate for this race this weekend because he was just hitting the line so strongly but they've elected to put him in the paddock which again I think reflects what you're saying these these horses are young they're only two this is their first most of them their first proper racing prep and it's common for them not to have the same consistency as you know the older horses they need to rest a little bit sooner so yeah I'm not sure about Cylinder being the favorite like he ran a great race in the Golden Slipper but it wasn't enough to sway me his way Mm -hmm. and I did want to ask how did the Golden Slipper rate Grace like was it a, a strongly run race or you know, how did it look on paper? It was a very fast run race. Um, and you can sort of see that by the way in which the leaders sort of, if you go back and watch the replay, they're rolling along throughout and then have a look at where the horses that settled on speed finished. I think one of them finished midfield, but all the rest were way back finishing towards the rear. So the tempo was on. It was definitely a race that was set up for those uh, midfield or, or a touch worse. So because of that, early tempo cylinders done a remarkable job to be sort of just two or three pairs back off the speed and stick on as well as he did um he was definitely a sitting duck late in the piece there the race rated well overall as a slipper would so no no concerns from that perspective it's just whether they can back it up again two weeks later out to 1400 meters as opposed to a horse that's still on the way up, you know, and the horses that I'm leaning to in this race are V8 and also Brave Mead because they are so lightly raced. They haven't been in any sort of test whatsoever. Like they've been in pretty slowly run races, sprinted home, dashed up really well. Like go back and watch Brave Mead's win last Friday night. It was like a track gallop for him. He was just jogging and he won. So like, I think there's so much left in in the tank for these horses, as opposed to Cylinder and Don Corleone and some of those golden slipper runners that were all out. They were all out at the end of 1200 meters. I'm just not sure they can repeat that. Yeah. And, and with a step up in distance too. And yeah, I'm the same I'm definitely leaning towards V8 and Brave Mead but probably more towards V8 just because he's proven over the distance which I really like and he's not he he's going to be a bit fresher he's sort of three weeks between runs whereas Brave Mead's on the seven day backup with the travel to Sydney which is a lot for a two-year-old you know like the seven day backup worked for Cascadian last week but he's nine years old isn't he like he's just a rock solid (laughs) horse these are these are just young ones who are doing things often for the first time and I've, yeah, that just makes me a little bit uneasy seeing that on paper. So, yeah, I'm certainly leaning towards V8. And hopefully this time the Victorian form can stack up, Grace. Yeah, well, I think that Victorian trainers have got some good chances in the race. Obviously, Kira Meyer and David Eustace have got their Sydney base as well. But um, the one thing I'll say about Brave Mead and that quick backup, I agree. When I saw it and I thought, oh, that's not ideal. Um, you know, it's, it's not it's not an ideal setup for a young horse to be doing that. What I will say is though, he had the softest race of all time. Like when I said it was like a track gallop, that means that he wouldn't have had much, he wouldn't have needed 
a great deal of recovery time. You know, he would have probably bounced out the next day, like ready to go around again. It was basically just a gallop for him, like a piece of work. Um, that will mean that he will hopefully travel better and everything will go to plan. So sort of my, my queries about that setup were lessened because of that. And also with V8 that you mentioned, his win last start uh, visually was great. On the clock, it was sensational because while they only went an even tempo, he was really badly held up. And then once he got clear, he was able to run the ninth fastest last 200 of the whole meeting uh, off an even tempo at 1400 meters at just his second start. That is the sign of a good horse. So I think that he's got a very good winning chance in the size and Damien Lane, who's ridden him both starts, goes up to ride him again. So Team V8 and Team Brave Mead for me in the size V. What about you? Yeah, I'm definitely with V8. Um, I think I'll leave Brave Mead to you, but yep, I'm going to stick with V8 for the English size. So the next one on the card is race seven, the TJ Smith Stakes, a 1200 meter weight for age group one. We see a lot of exciting horses here, Grace, as we always do in these sprint contests. And let's start off with the fun facts. So since 2011, the new market handicap has been the best form indicator for this race with six winners coming through that Victorian race. And the TJ Smith Stakes, we can back favourites. They do have a pretty good record statistically, and that's due to the weight for age status. They're not being weighted out by the handicap system. Since 2006, the only horse to win off a lead-up performance with a placing outside of fourth was Santa Ana Lane in 2019. And since 2019, five of the winners won their lead-up race. Another fun fact is that since its inception in 1997, only six three-year-olds have won the TJ Smith Stakes, so we need to be wary of them. And the best barrier is number five with six wins, and coming in second is number 11 with five wins. Grace, how's the market shaping up and who are the big ticket names in this race? Well, there's pretty much every big ticket name in this race from the Australian sprinting ranks. This is an absolute ripper. And as it should be, because, um, you know, like the Everest in the springtime, the TJ Smith Stakes is, well, it's traditionally probably the best sprint race that we've got in Australia at weight for age level over 1,200 metres. So we've got Nature Strip, who was pretty disappointing last start, but, you know, he's still there in the market because we know that he is such a good horse. This is his time to shine. You can never discount a horse of his quality to bounce back. So he's right there at $5. The favourite at the moment is Giga Kick. He's $3.50 out to $4.20. So the market is letting you on him early in the betting. We will wait and see what happens closer to the jump time. But we'll get into his profile in a moment. You mentioned the three-year-olds and their success in the race. There's only been a handful. Well, In Secret is going to be a three-year-old filly looking to win this year. She was the winner of the new market last start, and that was such a dominant performance. She's at $5.50. You can definitely understand why she's so firm in the betting. Then you've got a couple that are out at $9, Private Eye and I Wish I Win, also coming through the new market, and everything else is double figures. So um, definitely a great race to try and find some value if you can. But also, this is probably one of those races, Fee, where I have no clarity at all because they're all 
like most of them are very good horses. Yes. So it's just so hard to work out which of the good horses is going to come out on top when they're all so talented. They're all set for this race. You know, who who gets the right run in transit? You know, how fast do they go up front? It's all really hard to sort of predict. And ultimately, when there's not that much between them and they're the best of the best, I just find it really difficult. What do you think? Yeah, I think the market is certainly saying that no one's very confident but I have to say all I've heard for like the last few days is giga kick giga kick giga kick and mm-hmm. you know that's all anyone wants to talk about you know you've got nature strip in this race and I haven't heard his name mentioned once you've got lofty strike you've got you know some really nice horses but everyone's just talking about giga kick and I was wondering Grace was that last race that he had the challenge stakes at Randwick a group two over a thousand he really sort of was very strong in the concluding stages how did that race rate is that a really strong form indicator and is that why you know all I keep hearing is is giga kick on the scene well Fee I don't know if you're going to want to hear me because all I want to do is talk about giga kick all the time (laughs) as well oh my god so to answer your question he was last in the run last start and the leader didn't go very fast you can see for a thousand meter race you'd normally see them all sort of being um you know ask for a little bit of an effort at the halfway mark because they're humming along but in this case they were just really cuddled up all the jockeys had pretty tight grips on their mounts hadn't asked them for an effort it's a real sit and sprint so from where giga kick was um you know the general rule of thumb that we covered in our race shapes episode way back was that you know you don't win those races sit and sprints if you're last in the run but you do if you have an exceptional turn of foot and when i say that i mean what a turn of foot means is the ability to quicken on a dime so if you're in a standing start over 100 meters some horses are just so sharp and they have that turn of foot that they will just sprint off a standing start and beat everything else and others obviously with their legs and their movement their actions need to build their revs giga kick is the sort of horse that can just rattle off these unbelievable splits and it gets him out of trouble every time but the other thing about giga kick is that he doesn't have to have it on a slow tempo he can still produce that electric burst of speed of a fast tempo as well so he is just the definition of a good horse he is also a three-year-old looking to win the tj but he won the everest last spring that was on a soft six track which I think is important information because we're probably going to be on a soft track this Saturday as well. And he basically beat all the horses that he faces here as well. The only two that he didn't face in the Everest last spring was In Secret and also I Wish I Win. But Giga Kick proved that he's, you know, right up to, if not better, most times against, you know, the likes of Private Eye and Mazu and Nature Strip um, in the Everest last year. So that's why everybody loves giga kick and that's why i think it's a brilliant move from clayton douglas his trainer to not have to test him like he knows that he's got a good horse so keep him a month between runs keep him fresh and feeling good so he comes into this ready to fire which is what i expect he'll be doing yeah me too i i think you know there's good reason everyone's talking about him and yeah i think he's going to run a really good race um going back to the fun facts grace who out of the new market do you think might have a shot on saturday so it's a really good example because I just talked about um, in the challenge stakes, which passive aggressive won and Giga Kick ran second. That was a slow tempo of a thousand meters. Go back and have a look at the replay of the new market handicap over 1200 meters up the Flemington Strait. Note that they are coming home over the concluding stages like Brown's cows. And 
when you do that in a high quality group one sprint, there's only one meaning for that. And that is that they have been going at a million miles an hour early. And we've got some tired horses that are, you know, tiring late on very tired legs going across the line. So because of that, you have to understand that the likes of Lofty Strike and I Wish I Win, they were sort of out the back and they were at their top. They weren't comfy. They weren't trucking up like we'd say where they're ready to explode with that that sharp sprint. They were really being urged along to keep up with that tempo. The one horse in the field who looked like she was jogging and who looked like she was just doing it all so easily was in secret, the winner. And because of that, I just feel like that in itself was an indicator of a very, very good horse that she could do that on that speed. Yes, she carried a light weight there, but she also gets uh, weight relief here as well under the weight for age conditions because she's a three-year-old filly. Um, so she's clearly the one for me out of that race. If she can go even near that, she doesn't have to replicate it, but if she can go near that performance, I think she's going to be hard to beat in this yeah I it was such a dominant win and I did sort of look at I wish I win I thought yeah maybe he could run a place uh this Saturday but he does seem to like uh a longer trip than 1200 meters and I just looked at his weights and he's actually gaining two kilos this race so yeah not ideal for him but yeah and secret was so dominant so it's really looking like the the three-year-olds isn't it grace it could be their year it could definitely be their year but you know there's not much margin between these horses because you know if if giga kick and in secret don't turn up you know if um some of the others have you know had enough and put in a flat run obviously nature strip can win you know he's we know mm. that this is his realm this is his wheelhouse and he can absolutely win if the others don't bring their absolute best so it's just such a hard race to be crystal clear on and for that reason i will be staying out not having a bet in this race but watching it with my bucket of popcorn cannot wait to see who comes out on top well i'm just gonna have a bit of a throw at the stumps here grace i'm Good. gonna Quinella, Nature Strip and Giga Kick. What do you think? Ooh, Thoughts, feelings, I, I like emotions. it a lot. I like it. I like <laughs> it a lot. Um, I think everybody may be thinking that Nature Strip isn't at his best this preparation. That's off the back of being beaten by Cool and Gatta in the Lightning Stakes um, over the 1,000 metres up the Flemington Strait, which he absolutely usually loves. But, you know, Chris Waller is an absolute master. He can get this horse back to his best. And if he does, he'll be right there. So not talking you out of that one, Fee. Yeah, and I feel like Nature Strip, it's like he knows. He knows when everyone's starting to go, oh, maybe that's it. Yes. And then he throws in a big one. So I'm That hoping is such a Nature Strip thing to do. Such a Nature Strip thing to do. So I'm hoping that that is what's happening on Saturday. I reckon he's going to be like, oh, you don't even know, you guys. I'm here. Don't worry about yep. it. So let's wait and see well uh i hope you enjoy it with your popcorn and hopefully my uh rather exotic bet for me uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hopefully it pulls off okay next race number eight it is the doncaster mile 1600 meter handicap so for the fun facts let's get into it best trainer of the race is gay waterhouse and her dad tj smith with seven wins and then chris waller in a close second with six the George Ryder Stakes is the best lead-up race for this Group 1 over the mile. It's produced 15 of the last 28 winners. There have been 
32 three-year-old winners of this race since its inception, so the opposite of the TJ Smith stakes, and that's because of the handicap weight system. They have a fairer chance against the seasoned professionals. We can look for some value in this market, as only five favourites have won since 2004, and in this race, weights seem to matter. Only three horses since 2003 have carried more than 55 and a half kilos. Grace. How is the market looking? In typical big handicap style fee, the market has absolutely no idea at this stage. <laughs> so we've got Mr. Brightside, last start all-star mile winner as our $6 favorite. The next horse in the betting is actually clearly the market mover early on. And this is a pretty good go considering the markets have only been live for about 24 hours. Converge from the Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott stable. She's won this race plenty of times, as you mentioned, $18 into $9. So uh, halved his quote has Converge. Then we get to Alligator Blood, who is a seasoned racehorse. Unfortunately, though, the stats are against him with 57 and a half kilos, the clear top weight. It's got to carry at least two kilos more than every other horse in the race. And then we've got Fangirl, who's the one who brings the George Ryder form. The George Ryder this year was won by Animo, who's going to the Queen Elizabeth next Saturday. Uh, he's not here, but Fangirl finished second to him that day from that great lead-up race in the George Ryder. Um, so she brings that right form line according to your fun fact so that's the way the market's looking wide open definitely can find some value here yeah so much value and you know Mr Brightside won this race last year and he's really just hitting form just in time to put in another good performance this Saturday he's drawn barrier two same barriers in the all-star mile there's a lot of horses going forward which makes it a little bit tricky for a horse like Mr Brightside because from barrier two there's a chance he'll be back and buried a little bit but you know, that's why you employ jockeys like Zach Purton because it's their job to get them out of trouble and find the gaps when they need them. Obviously, um, when you've got a fast run race, generally it means that the gaps do appear, which is the safest thing for racing because you want those gaps to appear so that horses can get clear galloping room and be finishing off hitting the line strongly it's when we've got slow run races when sometimes the gaps don't appear and that's when jockeys are more inclined to to make gaps appear and look for those gaps when they might not naturally be there so i think it should work out okay for all horses hopefully they all get their chance in what looks to be a pretty fast run race i wanted to talk to you about weights in this race because comparing the doncaster to the all-star mile makes for quite an interesting example so mr brightside he carried 59 kilos in the all-star mile which was a weight for age he now carries 55 and a half so that's a three and a half kilo weight relief which is pretty massive and then also the other one I looked at was Gentleman Roy and he's coming way down in the weights too so he was also 59 kilos being a six-year-old horse 52 on Saturday does how much difference is that going to make to these horses who are now benefiting from the handicap weighting system well I mean it's all about placing your horses in the right races fee. So the reason that Alligator Blood's got the clear top weight of 57 and a half kilos is that he's a five-time group one winner. Really, he is suited and always will be best suited now to wait for age races. That's the whole point of the wait for age racing that we've got is because when horses are outweighted in big handicaps, they need to progress to wait for age racing where they aren't going to continue to be weighted down by huge weights because their handicap rating is through the roof just because they're good horses so alligator blood is not 
ideally placed in this race having said that we know he's a great horse and he can um, definitely be right in the finish that's why a horse like gentleman roy that you mentioned is perfectly placed in a race like this and actually wasn't that well placed in the all-star mile because with a handicap rating of 104 as opposed to alligator bloods 115 and mr brightside's 114 and at weight for age they all carry pretty much the same weight but in a handicap he gets weight relief off them so for those horses that are you know 100 to 110 handicaps are going to be the the play for them for sure because that's where they can get weight relief off the good horses and that certainly comes into play when we're looking at especially in fast run races the finishing results of a race like this with all that in mind, Grace, is anyone standing out to you in this race? Well, the way I see it, Fee, is that you always got to start with the class horses and think about, okay, how well are they going? And can anything beat them? Then consider the weight that they've got to carry. And Alligator Blood and Mr. Brightside are the class horses in the race because Alligator Blood's the five-time Group 1 winner and Mr. Brightside is the defending Doncaster champion. On that day when Mr. Brightside won the Doncaster last year, he carried 50 and a half kilos. Oh, wow. So again, <laughs> a horse right down on the weights was to the fore. But obviously, Mr. Brightside was always a good horse, but it's about sneaking him in into the race to get his best winning chance with not a big weight. So that was a big tick for Mr. B last year. But he's gone on from there and he won the All-Star Mile at weight for age last start. So he's earned his weight that he's got here, 55 and a half. Um, and he's going to be hard to beat. But then what you've got to do is look outside of those horses and see if there's any that are on the minimum down with that lightweight that can use that to their advantage. And I must say that the money that I talked about for Converge, I totally get it. He's been $18 into $9 since the markets went up. And I, it makes a lot of sense to me that he can be very competitive here because he's got 52 kilos and he likes to settle on speed. From the Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott stable, they love to have their horses on speed, bowling along and sustaining a really strong gallop to the line. So Converge is now third up. So he's fit enough to do that and, and not get tired late. And the 52 kilos means that that weight's not going to slow him down either. So I totally get that Converge um, has got a great winning chance. Fangirl is the one that just keeps running into Animo, who's mm. the weight for age champ of Australia at the moment. Um, she's going so well, but she's drawn a sticky barrier, really wide barrier 19. I have no idea what they do from that draw. The other one that I think, Fee, we might be able to see put in her best run of the campaign, let alone her career, is Zoo Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Because she just looks to be profiling the right way off some slow run races. She's just been in sort of sit and sprints where she won last start and she did it well. Now she might find herself with 50 and a half kilos on her back in a fast run race and she can platform off that to be right in the finish here. And then fee for the roughy of the race, I don't know what you think, but Nugget seems to be a ridiculous price for a horse that's been doing plenty of racing at Wait for Age Company. But unlike Alligator Blood and Mr. Brightside, who he's been racing against, he plummets in the weights because he is better suited when it comes to his handicap rating in a race like this under handicap conditions. He goes down to 51 and a half kilos. So at $41, he seems a massive price to me. Anyway, all in all, I really am not sure about who wins of those four, but they're the ones I've settled with. What about you? Um, I have to say, 
I can't commit to anyone in this race. I just yeah. am a bit like you in the last, like I just can't make enough sense of it. And I have a little bit of an emotional investment. So I'm just choosing to step back, watch it, enjoy it. And yeah, see how it works with these with the waiting. Like, will it be a nice lightweight who gets across the line first or will one of the uh, more established horses be able to hold on to their dominance? I would be surprised if some of these horses at bigger prices are good enough to win regardless of their weight relief, you know. I think it's going to come out of the class horses in the race or the ones that are strategically placed like the Nuggets and the Converges to now get the best out of them with with a lightweight. I feel like there might only be five or six genuine winning chances. Uh, but again, I, f- I find it really difficult to sort of split those those to work out who comes out on top. So neither of us is putting a bit on in this one, Grace. Are we both sitting back or? Oh, I'd probably say nugget each way. I know barrier 22 is not an ideal barrier. They'll have to work out whether they go forward or back there. But he's just he's just a big price for a horse that's not done much wrong at Wait for Age Company. Now he drops down to 51 and a half. So he'd be, he'd be my one by three play, even just $11 the place for nugget. Okay. And now we move on to race nine, the Australian derby for the three-year-olds 2400 meters this is the race of the day and i'm so excited to sink my teeth into this field grace but first some fun facts of course so best form race for this one is the rose hill guineas and the tullock stakes both over 2000 meters and run at rose hill only a few derby winners have emerged through other events the one-week backup from the Tullock Stakes has been very successful in recent years with Quick Thinker, Jon Snow, Lavindi and Angel of Truth winning the derby off this backup between 2017 and 2020. Since 2001, only three winners have finished outside of fourth in the lead-up race with the lowest finishing position of winners in this time being sixth. So they've got to be in form before they get here. And since 1991, only seven favourites have won. So we can shop around New Zealand Gallopers Grace flying the Kiwi flag I am and they have a great record with this race six horses crossing the Tasman for the win in this race since 2008 best barrier is number eight seven wins with number one closely behind with six and not many wins outside of barrier eight so Fee you're telling me that six horses since 2008 have come from New Zealand to win the ATC derby yeah, I mean, I don't know why you're surprised, Grace. I mean, we're clearly <laughs> producing better stayers than Australia. That's just a fact. I, so I, I, look, I'm a bit I'm offended that, that you are point. shocked by that. <laughs> not shocked, not shocked. More in awe of oh, what yeah. that means. Yeah, yeah you like that bit. Uh, because we have got a race which is dominated by kiwi horses here and not just kiwi trained horses literally horses that are coming out of the new zealand derby in their last start so that in itself is a really interesting element because how do you line up the form well it makes it easier that we've seen sharp and smart who is the favorite for this race at three dollars thirty while he is kiwi trained and um was the winner of the new zealand derby last start we've actually already seen him here in australia he won the group one spring champion stakes last spring and he campaigned also through to the vrc derby uh, where he was good but didn't win on that occasion 
It's quite incredible fee to have a three-year-old in a derby that's already a three-time group one winner, which is what Sharp and Smart is. That is very rare. And what that means is that you've got a horse, a three-year-old, that is just so consistent and so good um, and so much better than his rivals time and time again. So you can understand why he's the $3.30 favourite for this race. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's certainly a class horse in, in this area. But I have to say the horse that ran second to him in the New Zealand derby has really caught my eye, number six, Andalus. But uh, mm-hmm. trained by Stephen Marsh, brought over for this race with Zach Purden, who's very in form on board. And I think from the number one barrier, if I'm correct, barrier eight, that's the one that stood out to me and going back and watching the New Zealand Derby, the replay, I thought Andalus was really closing the gap on Sharp and Smart. I'm wondering if Andalus can take a little bit more improvement. Like as you've said, Sharp and Smart's been running at a high grade for quite a long time. Andalus might just have that little bit more improvement in him. What are your thoughts? It's really tricky for me to work out because I can't see any of the sectional data from, yeah, right. um, from New Zealand, but you know, we know the level of sharp and smart. We know that he's been winning and beating everything, all bar a couple of horses in this grade um, for the last two preparations, this this autumn and also last spring. And so anything that's running around sharp and smart, we know that they must be of a very high caliber as well. So definitely can't talk you out of Andalus at all. Um, with sharp and smart, we do know one thing, and that is he's a very good traveler. He's already been over to um, Australia. He traveled from Victoria to Sydney and then back down to Melbourne. So we know that he's got a very good constitution for traveling and also for plenty of solid racing as well. That all stands him in very good stead for this race. And, you know, Angelus and even some of the others full of sincerity that comes out of that race, as does Mark Twain. Four horses coming out of the Group 1 New Zealand derby. Um, I think they've all got good chances, but we do know that Sharp and Smart is very good, and that's why I can see him winning. But he does have barrier 17, so we know he'll be going back and finishing off strongly. And I'm pretty sure your fun fact said that favourites don't often win. So that might be a slight setback. Um, interestingly, Fee, looking at the market, Pericles has been very well supported. $6 into $4.20 outright second favourite now. But I don't know if you remember when we did our form preview. I was so, I had so much clarity around Pericles winning last start in the Rose Hill Guineas. I had seen the future. I was like, this horse is winning get on now. He's a huge price at like $3 or whatever he was back him. But unfortunately he didn't win. And because of that, Lindemann beat him and Lindemann is the one that's dropping back in distance to the Doncaster with the lightweight. We already spoke about him, but because Pericles couldn't get past Lindemann, I've sort of gone off him. Like, I just think, I think that was his race to win and he couldn't put them away. So my confidence has definitely been dented as a result of that performance. And to be honest, I, I'm not really with that form line being the Rose Hill Guineas at all in this race. I think it really is the New Zealand Derby horses. And then one other interesting horse in the race is a virtuous circle, horse number 12, because he's coming up from Melbourne. In fact, he ran last Saturday. So he's on the quick backup out of the Australian Cup in the race that Cascadian won, which is obviously a stronger caliber of opposition. But... Um, and, and he was super unlucky in that race. He had no run. The only problem is, is when you're trusting an unlucky run, it's 
it's almost a little bit of buyer beware because you just don't know how they would have gone. Yes, they were unlucky, but who really knows how he would have finished off if he had the clear room? You know, he might have gave it a short kick, but then got tired pretty quickly. So I think he's an interesting runner, but ultimately I think that the Kiwis are going to be right at the fore of this race fee. And I'm with the favorite Sharp and Smart, but wouldn't talk you out of any of those because I think that they're going to be pretty superior to to the Australians in this field. Yeah, definitely Andalus, Sharp and Smart, they are looking good for me. But there's one that's a Kiwi bred but has been racing over here that caught my eye. And that's number 11, Tapple Doodle Doo. So he's a Kiwi bred but been racing over here and he was a winner last start over 2,000 in the Tullet Group 2, which is a key form race as we heard uh, for the derby. And I really liked how he hit the line in that last race. He looked like he had a lot still going for him. And I thought this is a horse that wants further. So I do like him as well. Barrier 11, you know, he's a little bit out, but not too bad. So I think him and um, number six, Andalus, are the ones that I have my heart behind. But I do think Sharp and Smart just might be you know, the animo of the derbies. Who knows? Yeah, well, we saw that last year with Hitotsu. I think he won three derbies. Um, You know, he was just better than them. So we'll see if Sharp and Smart uh, is in that same category. Uh, Tapple Doodle Doo is $51 and $11 a place. So that seems like a huge price for a horse that you exactly outlined perfectly. Like he was very good off a fast tempo, hitting the line, exactly what you want to see out in distance to the 24. So that's a good tip, I think, Fee. Yeah, nice, ru- nice roughy money there. Uh-huh. Well, Grace, we've done it. Those four group ones at Randwick on Saturday, all covered, all broken down for everyone listening at home. It's going to be a fabulous day of racing. Will you be trackside this weekend? I will be going up to Sydney. I cannot wait to get out to Randwick. It's always such a fun time of year to be up in Sydney because just like it is, you know, at Flemington for Melbourne Cup week, this is the number one time for Sydney siders and Sydney racing fans to enjoy the best of the best. So super excited. Hopefully back some winners as well, Fee. Yeah, hopefully that's it. That's the case. Uh, and you can report back next week because we will be doing it all again next week with another form preview for the second day of the championships we've got another four group ones to cover and some really exciting horses like animo on that day as well so lots to look forward to even after saturday and just before we sign off i just wanted to encourage everyone to keep on subscribing to the podcast on wherever you listen make sure you leave us a review this helps people with similar interests find us and listen to the podcast and yeah just keep telling your friends and family spread the word we've been really encouraged by the feedback we've been getting so far this year and looking forward to many more great episodes in 2023 but for now we'll call time and we will catch you again next week mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 